After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hey everyone, Raghu is here and back with Jamie Kilstein. And uh, Jamie, like, I feel like I know him my whole life at this point. <laughs> We've yes. met once and we did a yep. podcast on his podcast show. And uh, anyhow, welcome, Jamie. That, this, is, this is so great. I'm so glad you feel that way because when we became friends after my podcast... I've been doing the kind of like this girl's too pretty for me move where I would want to text you and email you. And I'm like, it's stupid. He doesn't feel the same way about me. <laughs> and so hearing you, yeah. hearing you say that, especially because I'm such a fan of this podcast. Uh, so being like intro on it was kind of neat. I, uh, I'm like, oh, this is uh, great. I feel the same way. I feel like we've known each other forever. <laughs> That's so great. Uh Jamie is a stand-up. He's got podcast show, as we mentioned, yep. uh, and a writer. You also, yeah, do that. I right? I, I do all. I don't know the if you thing. have a book though. Do you have a book? No, uh, I did like a while ago that I don't tell anybody about. I will have another one in the future as a plan. But yeah, I do all the jobs that make uh, dads uncomfortable. Like I literally remember. <laughs> There's a conversation I had. I also play music, like everything that would make uh, a girlfriend's parents go, ah, shit. You know, like I'm a step, <laughs> every job is like, I'm a step away from living out of my van. And the, uh, there was an actual moment. I, I, I've been thinking about my dad a lot because we might be in a fight right now. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I remember being such a shitty teenager and he was, you know, doing the classic because I dropped out of high school. He was like, how do you know comedy is going to work? You need a backup plan. And I earnestly said to him as my backup plan, I go, calm down, dad. I play in a band like that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> if comedy doesn't work, uh, we got music. If music doesn't work, I'll professional wrestle. If that doesn't work, I do jujitsu, like very unmarketable yet fulfilling things are the things I do. So this is, uh, a little bit of a roundup from uh, Jamie around the podcast, which is, what's it called? A fuck-up's guide to? Self-help. Self-help. <laughs> My poor uh, old, man, uh, old, old, old agent was like, can you just call it the Jamie Kilstein podcast? And I tried that for a while, but that's all we talk about on the show is we talk about, you know, even coming on this show right before I got a little nervous, 
because you're someone I really admire. You've interviewed so many people I admire. And I'm like, what do I bring to the table? I'm like, well, I'm kind of broken. That's what I bring to the table. But there's something I think where that helps people Mm -hmm. to know that, hey, like Ram Dass was so good. God, I can't believe I told myself, I'm like, don't be the guest that only quotes Ram Ram Dass. (laughs) They all do because they think that's good for. Oh, oh, it it took five seconds. But like, I think that's why people, one of the reasons people liked him so much is because he could still be self-deprecating and honest. Yeah. And before I found, I mean, I've always been pretty vulnerable and open with like my, my downfalls. But when I started looking into self-help before I sort of found spirituality, you know, sometimes you read a book from a guy and it's like, yeah, if you're sad, just get in your cryo chamber and then, you know, go to the, 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 the sauna. And, and you're just like, I can't, do that. I'm just trying not to, you know, cry at my yoga class, which I did yesterday. (laughs) And so what I noticed is like, I can give good advice and same with my guests, because we can say, I'm not speaking down to you. I felt what you felt last fucking week. And here is how I dug out of it. And by the way, I'm probably going to feel that way again. And then you can remind me of the advice I gave you. And, you know, and there it is. called satsang, yep. And I love that. And I'm still, to be honest, like, I'm still self-conscious about it, where I'm like, oh, what am I bringing to the table? But it's just gotten to the point where I know the show has helped so many people. It's helped me so much that I can just kind of embrace, okay, that's my role. That's (laughs) what I can offer. I can be really honest and, you know. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, here's a little bit of a... um, a contextualization of the show, a fuck ups guide to self-help features comedian, musician and fighter, Jamie Kilstein as he is it. It's Kilstein, not Kilstein, right? Yes. 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 See, I got that right. That was great. By the way, I don't even, I'm terrified. I don't even know if I wrote this bio or if my ex-girlfriend wrote this bio. Uh Well, it's too late for that. (laughs) As he talks culture, self-improvement, drugs, mental health, and being an outcast, it'll be a magic journey. One of self-discovering, self-loathing, self-loathing, fucking up and learning from those fuck-ups. And then here's the thing that I like. If there's one thing, I'm not quoting the whole thing. If there's one thing in this world that I know is true, it's that being a fuck-up can be really, really hard sometimes <laughs> and never-ending, like Groundhog Day, but with trauma and sadness instead of Bill Murray, hilarity. But I promise <laughs> you, being a fuck-up can also be awesome, really awesome. The podcast will prove that in the very least, show you that you aren't alone. Mm-hmm. I forgot I wrote you are that. Not, we are not alone. That is so uh, absolutely right on. I'm... I'm not even taking it out of context that much, you know what I mean? No, I'm I'm so glad you read that cuz I actually needed to hear that today. And you know, I think there are certain things that can lead can that can make you go from I'm sad or I'm having a bad day to I'm depressed and I'm having a mental breakdown. And so much of that is the stories we tell ourselves where instead of, Mm -hmm. Hey, I fucked up today. How can I get back on track? When you then start to go to, I am a fuck up or I am this sad person or I am. I think that's when it gets rough. And that's when you stop going, well, I'm going to learn from this mistake because you've already just hammered it in that what's the point? If I'm always going to be, 
you know, garbage. What's the point in trying to fix it instead of being like, no, being a fuck up isn't who I am, but we all do it. And hearing that other people go through the same thing that you do, that's that's another trigger that will make you go from sad to like cripplingly. I don't want to leave the house is when you feel like it's just you. And I mean, I've posted. Like something just got posted where I talked about being suicidal and my DMs exploded with people who not only went through the exact same thing with the exact same feeling, but who thought they were the only ones. And it's like, ah, shit, man, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're on social media, if we could all just be a little more open and a little more vulnerable and then a little more kind to the person who is being vulnerable. I think we could all see that these problems that we think are like, oh, it's just me who feels this way. It's just me. You can go, no, 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 that's a normal thing. And then it'll be so much easier to recognize it and move on. Yeah. Um, and uh, now we got to get into why in the hell did I ever hear from you? And of course, I know the story a little bit now, but you're going to remember every time we'd have a conversation off uh, podcast or off. Yeah. Phone, I'd say, well, don't, no, don't talk about that. We, oh, we yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but I, of course, what I did find out is that you were like a, a major uh, atheist, agnostic, something that was like uh, you yep. believed every thing that was going on every depression yep. every thought everything yeah. you just believed it all oh and, yeah and uh and so you were living in that way you, you may have even been do you know who jean-paul Sartre is the uh, french philosopher yeah He's like so a I feel downer like I, I, in one way he's a downer <laughs> yeah 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 i and i don't know so i didn't think about this at all before the podcast because i wanted to kind of like unpack it together where I grew up and still am right now. I feel like I am closer to my childhood self than I was in like all of my twenties when I was doing the whole atheist thing. I was always like a really whimsical kid just filled with wonderment and like, what's that? And blah, blah, blah. And you know, that's what led me to being an artist where you know, I was sort of the classic brutally failing all my classes in high school, except for music. And then even my English teacher told me, God, this is out of a movie. I thought of this for the first time the other day. My English teacher, I had a 12 in his class and I didn't go to some weird school where it was like, oh, a 12 out of 20. I had a 12 out of 100. <laughs> and he I took me aside. Nope. It was 12 out of hundred. It was exactly what you think. And he took me aside and he goes, you're one of the smartest kids I have because I used to, even though I didn't read the book, when they were having conversations, I could pick up on like the characters as humans and be like, Oh, she probably felt this way because her sister betrayed her or whatever we were talking about. And he knew that. And again, he could probably, probably should have gotten fired for this, but he was the first person who told me that, school's not for everybody. And then I swear to God, and again, this seems like a movie. He gave me a copy of Jack Kerouac's On the Road oh. and was just like, pretty much said goodbye and knew I was about to leave, which I did. Um, and so I always had that kind of like, you know, almost punk rock. Like, why are we all in boxes? Why aren't we all just living the lives we want to live? And like, I totally believed in a 
God. You know, my mom was like kind of Christian. My dad was kind of Jewish. Like we did the holidays. I still mix up Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, and it was just be, it was be nice. And that was it. That was how I was raised. And, but I would always, you know, I was the cliche teenager lying in the grass with my girlfriend. Like, what are the stars? Like, what if there's two of us looking back at, you know, like I always wanted to believe in these magical things. I read up on the reason I became a vegetarian, a very unhealthy vegetarian at first was, uh, I like read a book that I half understood about Taoism and I was like, okay, so I guess we're all one and I kind of smoke weed. And so then I just ate a lot of mac and cheese through high school. Um, and then when I started stand up was during, well, when I started like actually getting stage time, there were just years wait, wait, of garbage. psychedelics where anytime what's going on there. Not really. Really? Not really. I was a big stoner and I didn't drink a lot because we have alcoholism in my family. Um, and I feel like I did psychedelics like once with friends when I was 16, but like I just did a little because I was so scared. Um, and it was really this year was the first year, um, which I'm sure that was like the absolute game changer, which I'm sure we'll get into. But where the atheist thing, where the anti-psychedelics kicked in were when I started becoming somewhat known in stand-up or at least getting stage time at big places, um, it was during the Bush administration. And my first political joke was I was defending same-sex marriage because that was a huge issue under George Bush. And I knew nothing about spirituality. All I knew when I thought of God, I equated it with homophobia sexism you know my favorite comics were like george carlin and bill hicks and they would like skewer the church and so i just considered myself an agnostic i always said that i believed in something but i was like fuck organized religion this doesn't lead to anything bad mm. and so i was kind of like my my walls were already sort of starting to get chipped away at when it came to religion and then like all people who make a very serious decision in their life, I called myself an atheist because I started dating someone who was an atheist. <laughs> and I was like, Perfect. all right, I guess that's what I am now because I didn't have anything to stand on besides, you know, I moved to New York and I don't talk about this a lot, but I definitely have a complex about not being smart, probably from the dropping out of high school, even when I was on, you know, MSNBC, even when I was like doing all this stuff. I always feel like the dummy in the group. So my circle of friends in New York were jaded, smart, boozy journalist types. And so I was kind of the guy I'd occasionally make a dick joke. They would laugh. I would make a serious point. They'd be like, cool, cool, cool. And I just sort of like, Ugh. so finding out everyone was atheist, I was like, all I could say is, well, I don't feel that way. Or like, don't you think there's something? And I just, I'm like, I sound like a stupid teen. I sound like a kid. So I just went, all right. I mean, I never did anything with religion. So it wasn't like I was giving anything up. And then where I got crazy town was because I was one of the only comedians post 9-11 that was talking about politics and that was going like hard after the Bush administration, mainly for gay marriage, for gay rights. Um all of these like atheist conventions started inviting me. And again, here's another good reason. I just realized I want to go I to an atheist convention. Oh my God. It's a, uh, it's a lot. 
Um, the two reasons I became an atheist. Oh, how sad is this? This is this is where my morals were in the twenties. Um, a girl and a gig, <laughs> essentially, where I was like, I wasn't getting booked in America because all of my stuff was seen as like anti-patriotic. So I was going overseas to the UK and to Australia to do all these gigs. And then, yeah, I got invited. I actually, I don't know if you remember this. There was something called the Reason Rally, which was the largest gathering of atheists. It was like 30,000 people on the Washington Mall. And it was Richard Dawkins, the band Bad Religion, who I loved. Um, my friend, I'm still friends, Eddie Izzard, uh, Tim Minchin, who they're both brilliant artists. Um, and then I got invited and I was like, yeah, I'm going to speak in front of 30,000 people. Now, here's something that happened that day that I think with everything you've been talking about on the podcast um, will be interesting. And I don't talk about any of this stuff a lot. So, um, yeah. Okay. So 30,000 people. Now, there are atheists of all colors. And look, I understand why a lot of people are atheists too, especially if you were an LGBT kid and you were raised in a repressive household, you're going to have a lot of fucking trauma. And I empathize with you so much. And I would never argue, you know, if you feel like God turned his back or judged you or you were raised that way, like that's awful. And I have nothing but compassion for you and want you to be loved. Um, but there's also a lot of, you know, privileged white people who I remember the first time I was kind of grossed out by atheism was after Hurricane Katrina, I saw some kind of bigger atheist tweet. Oh, look at them like praying to God to fix it when like God caused the hurricane. And I'm like, <laughs> motherfucker, like go get a boat and some canned goods and go help instead of just making fun of the old black lady who's crying in front of her house that was just wiped out. Right. And so that was the part of the atheist community I really didn't like. And then what we started to see is the atheist community was, from what I saw, from the little I was in it, was very divided. And there were a lot of really great progressives who, like me, I think, were like, fuck the church, fuck oppression, fuck sexism, fuck racism, fuck homophobia. But then, especially post 9-11, and you see it a lot now, there were a lot of people who... It's like in your critique of religion, you pretty much only seem to be talking about Muslims. And there was a lot of racism um, and Muslims were being held to this way higher standard than the hatred we saw from the Christian community or, you know, even the mm -hmm. Jewish community. Like I'm Jewish, but like do not approve of most of what Israel does. Um, and if you spoke out about that stuff, if you were like, hey, we also shouldn't be racist. Um, you'd get in a lot of trouble. So what I did for my speech, and I heard this, I cannot confirm this, but what I did was I did a rant. I used to do these rants. And at the end of it, I was like, here's what atheists should stand for. And I was doing great. And I don't say that about myself, but I'm like, <laughs> you had 30,000 people cheering for me. And I was like, oh, I'm about to lose them where I was like, we should be actually stand for something right? Like the premise of it, I don't remember what I said. There were jokes involved. Uh, but the premise of it essentially was, let's just not be the people who are shitting on religious people. I would rather hang out with a Christian who wants to go feed the poor with me than an atheist who's just going to make fun of people mm -hmm, who believe mm -hmm. in God. Yeah. And <laughs> so I talked about like, we should be fighting for like, uh, you know, gay equality, blah, blah, blah. 
And I am told that Richard Dawkins was on the side of the stage and like said to it, shook his head to his assistant. Maybe not at that part, but he just goes, I don't get it. Uh, so that was uh, mm-hmm. that was when I started to kind of uh, burn my bridges in the atheist community. But again, I mean, most of the crowd really cheered for that. But here's where I felt gross. And again, this is not indicative of atheists and this is not indicative of, but this is where I was like, there are things that are more important at the same time as the reason rally it was right around when Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman. And if you guys don't remember, because there have been so many fucking innocent black people who have been murdered by the police or by fucking racists, um, Trayvon Martin was kind of one of the first ones that like blew up in the media going home, had mm-hmm. a hoodie, giddles, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a Snapple and was killed. And George Zimmerman got away with it and then went on to lead a horrific life of other crimes um, and said he was defending himself. It's when Stand Your Ground became a thing. Yeah. So there are 30,000 atheists going like, yeah, we don't believe in God and bad religions there. And I'm like, woo, this is great. After my set, I was so jacked on adrenaline. Uh, I went out the back way and I started walking in the opposite direction just to kind of like come down. And there was a much smaller, not 30,000 people, uh, rally for Trayvon Martin. And I stood there and watched it and was just brought to tears. It was just people who, like that to me looked like something to, they're fighting for something, you know? And again, preface, plenty of atheists were like destroyed by the fucking church and the church does terrible like so so much there's a lot of bad that happens from religion but watching those people hold up pictures of that little boy who was killed i was just like oh like maybe this is where i should be spending my time and then i remember i was walking back and again i heard maybe three people say this out of thirty thousand, but they were complaining about the trayvon rally where they're like oh look at them like, and then went back to their sea mm. of atheists. And I just felt kind of gross. Mm. I just felt a little gross. And so, you know, uh, I didn't really think about spirituality or anything like that. I mean, I kind of, I spoke out so much against, there was some sexism that was going on at the time. Uh, in the community, and I just spoke out against that stuff and then sort of burned those bridges. I did. I still think this is kind of cool. I got to uh, perform before Christopher Hitchens, but it was at the Sydney Opera House. Um, but even Christopher Hitchens, like, I love his attitude on question authority, kill all masters, but he was also one of the biggest proponents of the Iraq war. So, so many of these people, and what I try to explain even with that here's the thing with politics is we don't see gray area at all. So you're either on this side or you're on that side, right? You're either like pro mask or you're anti mask or you're, you know, there's no gray area. And, you know, my problem with Hitchens or anyone who supported the Iraq war, who was an atheist is like, Hey, we actually caused more religious extremists by bombing the shit out of the wrong country. Like if you don't just want to criticize Muslims, but you want to stop, actual bad extremism you should actually be on the anti-war side where we're not killing a bunch of innocent people that creates extremists you know yeah. but anyway i've i've wandered into war crime territory <laughs> digressed and, into war <laughs> a little bit but little let bit. me let me say something because uh, when you say you walked out 
into that Trayvon Martin march, right? Yeah. And something happened, obviously. Yes. yes. And, you know, you were filled with uh, empathy, compassion, and so on. And even thought to yourself, what am I doing? This is what I should be doing. And we talk, what's the this? Ultimately, the this is some kind of helping other people, service, whatever you want yeah. to call it. Yeah. And in that moment, so um, I'll, I'll just tell you that this morning I did a podcast uh, for the Ramdas show that we have here and now. Ramdas yeah, here yeah. and now, you know, where we we take a piece from uh, a previous talk of his, and I intro it and all that. It's great. I just finished the yoga one. So I had never heard this talk, which yeah, we have a lot. Of, you know, I mean, yeah. 20,000 uh, titles or some crazy thing. Um, but this one blew my mind because, oh my God. and I'm going to tell you how it comes back into the moment yeah. at that march. But basically, last year we put out a movie, Becoming Nobody, which I know you've seen because we've talked about it. And we can talk about how that, it, what impression you got from that at some point. But yeah. This entire talk was about, it, it starts with him talking about there's a scary problem yeah. in the spiritual journey, right? And, and the essence of that scary problem is, uh, it's a good thing I did this just today, so I have this all this This is great. I'm like riveted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, we end up babysitting our psychological death. That's a bit of a scary problem. <laughs> it's I, it, it's uh, a scary problem. Yes. We all know that scary problem. And then he talks, and then ultimately, and he said this in the talk, it's about becoming nobody. I flipped out. This was 1978 or nine. Yeah. We made this movie last year and uh, we had a R Rachel, I can't remember if you met her, but, um, who, who's been working with me forever. At I believe she was dressed as a bee. She was dressed as a bee. That's it. I did yeah, meet her. Very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, we had a, you know, when you're trying to develop a name for a film and suddenly it took on this hue of Ram Dass talking about you become a somebody, you've got all the causes and conditions that create this thing that you believe in and you got your roles you got identity, all of that, and then how that all breaks down and how that broke down for him and mm -hmm. ended up, uh, so one major part is it ends up, he says something like, isn't it, when is it enough? When is it enough of getting what you want, what you think you want? When is it enough? Isn't it more interesting to look at somebody else and see what you're going to offer? He didn't say it in exactly those words. Yeah. But, but so... So this whole thing from, you know, decades before he, that thing was in him, but we didn't know. So I was blown away wow. by this, blown away. That's incredible. But, but getting back to what happened to you when you bumped into that march after you left that hall just to shake off the Shakti, um, Here's a description of it, okay? Because Ramdas yeah. quotes, so there's a a, a a saint from India named Hazrat Inayat Khan. Actually, wait, I'm going to say this before you yeah. say this, because okay. if I say it after, it's going to be the sad thing before your great story. And I think this might even tie in. I wasn't lying. 
Like I wanted to walk off. I wanted to walk it off. But as you were talking about that, I also realized I wanted to bump into people that were like, that was fucking great, man. Great fucking <laughs> job. And so it was also sort of a lap for attention, yeah. which then makes it even more of a kind of like dichotomy of like going from, I'm going to perform in front of 30,000 people and get a bunch of cheers and then take a walk and have people say, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good to standing in that rally yeah. for Trayvon and being like, None of what I just did matters. Yeah, the the biggest thing that is so obvious, and we all do this, is pay attention to that thought. Because you're paying attention because really I'm just a piece of shit. Look, you know, I just want (laughs) people to jerk me off all the time. That's it. Tell me how great I am. That's it. So this is, that's what, of course, mindfulness and practice and all that. So you create a gap. Uh, Ram Dass tells his acid story, one of his major acid story in this, where he's in a motel in the middle of nowhere in in mid-America and about to step out. He's completely naked and gone, gone, gone. yeah. Right. And he's about to hit the doorknob. Maybe I shouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So good. It's so good. But he talks about where he got to, which flipped him out, was he got to the gap between thoughts, which is infinitesimal. Yeah. The slowing down that has to happen to get there. Yeah. So I cut you off. You were uh, about to circle back. Yeah. So anyhow, that thought, well, certainly now you can go, ah, that's a cool thing. I wanted more people to tell me how great I am. Um, so, yeah, Hazrat Inayat Khan, great saint from India, Sufi. And um, so here's what he said. Selflessness produces humbleness in one's spirit, taking away the intoxication which clouds the soul, Right. Independence and indifference, which are the two ways which enable the soul to fly and spring from the spirit of selflessness. That's what propels us. The moment the spirit of selflessness has begun to sparkle in the heart of a human. He was a phenomenal musician, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to look this guy. We, we got to put this in the show notes, guys. Hazrat Inayat Khan. Even the, rit- the, the rhythm you're reading this in is like very, there's a musicality mm, yeah, to it. Yeah, well, because I'm remembering him. The moment the spirit of selflessness has begun to sparkle in the heart of a human, he or she shows in word or action, action, a nobility which no earthly power or wealth can give. To become something is a limitation, whatever it may be. Even if a person were to be called the king of the world, he would still not be the emperor of the universe. Oh. The master of the earth is still the slave of heaven. The selfless one is one who is n- no one and yet is all. Good Lord. That was insane. Isn't it? Anyhow, but oh. but so, yeah, take, this is so grand. I mean, this man was, uh, you know, a real saint, and he was sure. he was beyond a lot of the kind of dualities that we li- we as little humans live in. He he had gotten through a lot of, I don't know the extent of which, but you're, he was a really great You're saint. saying I'm pretty much a saint is where you're this is going. Saint. Yes, that's great. it. Yes, Thank see, you so you, much. Whatever you Good night, did, everybody. You walked out there. Yep. You... Listen to the podcast. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to leave on that. <laughs> 
Oh, Lord. Okay, jump to the next thing. Is it well, how did I hear from? Uh, okay, so this year, this goes to the psychedelic question. So this year, I even made a joke on stage. It's not a joke. Like, my year was bad before COVID. Like, everyone is like, this has been the worst year. I'm like, oh, I got you guys beat. January, uh, the suck started for me. And I've been through a lot. Um, I've had plenty of rock bottoms. I've made uh, uh, mistakes. Like, my marriage ended when, like, I cheated instead of getting out of the relationship. Like, I did shit. This was when I was, like, mid-20s. But it was still horrible. And I still have shame for things I've done and um I left LA in sort of this pursuit of normalcy where things are going well in LA and I met this I was on like dating apps for the first time in my life um and because I'm usually I was just a relationship hopper so I'm on dating apps and it just felt like really vapid. And I felt myself becoming like sort of an old man where I was just like, I just want to meet a girl at a bookstore. Like, you know, but you're just swiping. It feels very like commodifying love. And I met a girl who probably thought I was fine and I thought she was fine. And we were both so sick of dating sites that we latched onto each other, not because we were like, oh, we love ourselves and can make each other better. But it was kind of this like, save me. Like, <laughs> where, I mean, the last couple, even relationships I've said no to, I have felt myself in this moment of like, oh, this means it can all end. <laughs> this means this like story of being single and going on dating sites and being broken because you're alone. If we just get together, I'm done with that, which is obviously not true. And so we ended up moving Instead of being like, mm, this relationship isn't working, we did, we were like, it's probably LA's fault. And we picked <laughs> Tucson randomly and we just fled LA, which was the best thing for me. So we got to Tucson. Shockingly, does not uh, fix the relationship. Um, me and her, the breakup was loving and fine. And, you know, it was what it was. But in the same week, my mom went into the hospital, girlfriend left, cat died. And I was like, Ugh. and the cat, going to be honest with you, I spent yesterday, this happened in January, I was sobbing over my cat yesterday. So like my mm. poor girlfriend, I was so much more upset about the cat, where like my poor girlfriend would come up to me, and I'd be sobbing, and she'd be like, it's okay, we're still going to be friends. And I'd be like, what? Oh, and I'd have to kind of pretend it was about the relationship. But I was like sobbing about <laughs> my little cat. My little cat was my ride or die. He was like my first pet and I rescued him and like mm. ugh, like it 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 was gutting mm. and so she left cat's dead I'm in this apartment in the middle of nowhere I know nobody I have nature for the first time so like I can see mountains um and I just had this moment the two times I was going to kill myself <laughs> By the way, uh, check out my stand-up comedy, everybody. Uh, the two times I was going to kill myself, both of them, What one of the things that got me out of it was I go, okay, I'm either going to end it or I have to come out of this a better version of myself. Because if I don't, like, what's the point, man? Like, why? You know what I mean? And so the breakup, that was easy. Okay. 
I've been codependent in relationships before. I've stayed in them too long. I've burned some down. I've been attracted to toxic people. Um, I need to be single for the first time in my life. Easy. The cat dying. I'm like, this just fucking sucks. There's nothing good that can come out of this. Mm. But I sat on it and I went back to being like vegan, for example. I started talking to these like older I've become friends with a lot of like older widows because I live in like a kind of retirement area and I wanted to pet their dogs because uh, I miss my cat so much. So I would start petting their dogs and they were like, you should get a dog. And I'm like, oh, I just lost my cat. And then they tell me that they like lost their husband and then we'd connect. And I started like dog sitting for some of them. So I'm like the cool bad boy tattooed guy who's like friends with a bunch of 70 year olds in Oro Valley, Arizona. And um, I was like, oh, losing the cat is actually making me like a sweeter person, like in a weird way. And I know people who like lost, like so many people lost like humans recently and are like, all right, man, stop talking about your cat. But it really did open me up where I was like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it made me more loving as silly as that sounds. And then that coincided with Valentine's day was like a week or two away. And I was like, so scared of being alone on Valentine's Day. And then instead, I said, I'm going to take mushrooms by myself. I've never done it. I, I, I got mushrooms because me and the girlfriend are going to try to do it. Those are, those are the two things that were going to save the relationship. Leaving LA and going to Tucson and mushrooms. And it just never felt right. We like went to Sedona and we're like, we're going to do it. And just, eh, just nothing it wasn't going to do it. It wasn't going to do it. It was for the wrong reasons. It would have just been like, we're doing drugs. Um, and so I was like, this could be the worst idea ever being in this apartment that used to have a cat and a girl and I'm alone for the first time and I'm going to take mushrooms. But I was just pulled to it where I was like, no, this is the time. Like you have to do it. And the reason <laughs> I put on Ramdas never heard him before heard of him. All my smart friends, Kelly Carlin, uh, mm. told me about him first, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Yep. And then I, I was at some backyard comedy barbecue and she told me that's George's uh, son, everybody. Oh, the daughter, or George's son. daughter. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and she's wonderful and she's a writer yeah. and she's great. I think she had a podcast. Um, and we had her here on Mind Rolling, actually. I that, had her on within the last right. couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then our other mutual friends like Trevor Hall and Pete, I didn't know yet. And so I think it was just Kelly. And then I've just heard, like, I've just seen people on Twitter who yeah, I respect yeah. quote them and stuff like that. But I literally was like, okay, I'm doing psychedelics for the first time. I don't really have a buddy on standby. So I'm like, I'll just put on Ramdas. He'll be like my little, like my little buddy. He'll be my designated driver. Mm -hmm. Because he's just all peace and love. And that's what I kind of the gist I had of it. So I'm like, great. And so, yeah. So I, I bought the documentary on like YouTube. And then uh, I had it on in the background. I thought I took far less than I had. And <laughs> absolutely did not. Uh, mm. Had no intention to find like spirituality. I just wanted to be like, I just wanted to love myself, essentially. Mm. And the two things that happened were had to do with the cat and had to do with God. 
um, which is when to, uh, so my cat was named after a rapper I opened for Talib Kweli. So his name was Talib Kitty. So when Talib <laughs> Kitty died, I freaked out, total denial, sobbing all day, hired a cleaner to come. And I was just like vacuum all the cat hair. I don't want fucking anything throughout all of his toys. And like, even saying that, like that hurts. And like, but I, what I don't remember is I hid, um, God, I hope this doesn't just sound like a cliche 16 year old being like, I took mushrooms and saw God, but I hid his blanket. <laughs> um, I hid his blanket and I don't, I don't remember it. It's in a cabinet. I never go in. And even though my apartment, the thermostat read uh, 82 degrees when I came down, I was shivering. And when I was shivering, I didn't go to, um, I didn't go to the blanket on my bed. I somehow, and this was like, you know, I guess a month after he died, I somehow went into this cabinet I never go into and I found his blanket which is covered in his hair. Like the cleaner didn't vacuum things in the closet. And I wrapped mm. myself up in it. And I used to, so because I was codependent, I raised a, co I raised a codependent cat. <laughs> and so whenever I would come home, he would scream at me until I picked him up and I would take him to the window and I put his little head against my head and it started to purr. And I would, like it was a child, I'd go, mm. there's a mountain. There's a house, there's a <laughs> cloud, there's whatever. And I went to the window covered in his cat hair. And I just said like, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Then complete just bombed out after that. And all I remember is I'm nothing at this point. And then suddenly, and I have not rewatched the movie not on mushrooms. So I need to do that at some point. <laughs> but I did confirm to you this was a scene and this wasn't in my head. I just remember hearing ding and the bell and then the mm -hmm. I'm loving awareness. Mm -hmm. And then from out of nowhere, man, I'm on my knees facing the mountain. My hands are completely uh, outstretched. And I just start saying like, I am open. I am open. I am open. And then I was like, I guess that I'm talking to God. I guess that's what that is. Uh, and I just had this moment where I was like, man, I felt bad being alone on Valentine's Day. But I was like, I'm with everybody. I'm with the universe. I'm with God. I'm with Tolib Kitty. I started seeing <laughs> people that I needed to forgive. I started seeing heroes of mine that passed. There was a point where like, I felt like I felt Ram Dass, but I was like, that's probably the TV. But like, it was crazy. And mm. then from then on, that was it. I just deep dived and, you know, I found you and started listening to everything. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, that was in February. Mm. So this is very, this is all very new to me. Unbelievable. Yeah. The weird thing is, I think I told you this, maybe on your podcast, uh, certainly I've mentioned it here, but uh, I was doing a thing with Ramdas at one of the retreats and yeah. I started talking. We were talking about trust. Yes. And I told I told you that on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, but I love yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I have it saved on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just about, and everybody knows this. When I first met him, he just embraced me completely. There was no Richard Alpert, no Ron. I just said that again on the podcast I did, the Ram Dass thing this morning. 
there was nothing except a vibrational field in which I could let go completely. There was no, nothing but trust, love, nothing. And uh, so that, uh, uh, I was using that as an example. And then I turned to him and I said, what did what was the first thing you trusted? Solid you know, question. Yeah, right. I told you what I did. What did you do? <laughs> and you just without a, you know just the right beat, comedic beat, which he was good at, <sighs> so even when good. he couldn't express himself anymore, the way he used to. Uh, and he just looked at me and went, "Mushrooms." <laughs> I went right, right. So I mean, you know how many people that I have encountered. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't mushrooms, it was acid, but a lot of mushrooms, yep. you know, because of the the combo of heart and uh, psychedelia that happens with mushrooms over just acid, which just grabs you by the throat and goes, "Motherfucker, you're gonna, you're dead." Get yeah, it? you're yeah. gonna let go and, or not? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, I mean, I'm sure everybody that listens has done mushrooms, but also, <laughs> like, I didn't go. Cr- I have a very addictive personality mm. where I'm either like codependent or even when me and you met, I'm like, should I be celibate? And it's like, I go <laughs> one extreme or the other extreme. And there was no part of me. There have been many times where I've said no to psychedelics this year, even though it's opened me up so much. I mean, I've probably done mushrooms like, and I've only done it by myself since I've started maybe like six or seven times this year. Um, and so I'm trying, I'm playing a little catch up. But, you know, there's a time I was offered like acid in Vegas by a guy who was like, the stuff's great. I was sitting there like, you know, just realized how mad I was at my ex-girlfriend. I'm like, I don't want to do acid with you. Um, that sounds like a nightmare. And I've every time it has to be for me with a purpose. And maybe I sound like uh, Goody Two Shoes found mushrooms at 38. And he's being oh, all high. Come on. You're but- just quoting what Leary and Alpert said in this mid 60s set and yeah. setting. Come on. But I, but I mean, it's been for, I've gotten so much out of it that I'm kind of taking here. I'll quote someone who has not been quoted. Uh, I'll quote uh, uh, Spider-Man's uncle with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Where that's how I feel. Now I'm moving to Austin where everyone, I will now have access to all the psychedelics and I'm absolutely curious about it, but I don't want to get to the point where I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, it really, it's one of the things that, that, that saved me because what's so crazy is that, you know, when you're high, you're high and then you're not high and then you're not high. But for months after taking it, the way I stop to look at a tree instead of looking at my phone, the way I, I will get on my knees because there are these like bunnies that run around my neighborhood and just look at bunnies that everyone on my Instagram started calling me like a, a, a male Snow White because I'm just the, how, paying attention to people at like the grocery store instead of like, again, just being in my own world that I do so much more um, ever since those uh, oh, experiences. You are now the poster boy for uh, the reality, because a lot of you know people say, "Well, look, even Ramdas, he went to India because he couldn't. He kept coming down, so it's useless." You know, one time, you know that kind of a thing. Oh, uh, right. The, that's yeah, a big totally. pushback from a certain segment of, of people. That's their story. But here, this is poster boy for the reality that yeah. something 
doesn't go away. There is some integration that naturally happens. I mean, you know, maybe a hundred times in the next couple of months yeah. might not be correct because, right. you know, the indulgence is the indulgence. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, you just reminded me, uh, you, you know, Sharon Salzberg. Have we talked about Sharon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember? Because I, you, you, you dropped her on the show and I literally had the book right next to me. Oh, yeah. Right. Sharon. Yeah. And you, by the way, you got to get in touch with her and get her on your show. I really want her on the show. I really want uh, David Nick turn on the show. Yes. Yeah. So, I just haven't hit you up because again, yeah, I've been, okay, af- yeah, I've been yeah, afraid you don't traveling. like me. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No problem. Um, so anyway, but Sharon said the same, uh, we did something together and I remember her saying exactly that awareness is en- encompasses love and compassion because you start to walk around. She said, I go to the same grocery store. Yeah, you know that around the corner as she was living in New York, and I, I saw how when that awareness isn't there, that I'm not seeing anybody. Yes, and then when it is there, the kind of interchange I have with the shopkeeper or customers or whatever whoever is engaging is uh, complete, completely embracing. Yeah, of that. What I call, as I told you on your podcast, that thing there, you know, that, thing that there. divine yeah. presence, whatever. And, I mean, oh, and yeah, for, yeah. of course, for her, she would, you know, she uses a different um, nomenclature, being a Buddhist and so on. Yeah. yeah. But it's the same thing. You see that the same things happen for everyone. They all lead to how can I reach out? Yeah. How can I reach out and how can I be of service? How can I stop thinking of just myself all the time? You know, yeah. we, we, it it's it all converges to that one point which is, you know, with Ramdas as uh, okay, we we no no problem talking about him. He's a good it example. Happens. He just couldn't help himself from he had to share. Yeah. It wasn't a matter that he was going to think about it. Well, maybe I'm not cooked enough, you know, I shouldn't be sharing, you know. None of that. He was so propelled, he just did it, and he was as honest right. as possible. Do you think that maybe the people who give that pushback about you're just chasing the high, mm-hmm. do you think it's maybe because, like like I said, when I was tripping my face off on Valentine's Day alone, um, do you think it's because I was open to it and that, you know, I think that our ego is so strong, we can block these things out, that if I didn't have you guys and and this community, and if I didn't start, you know, the day afterwards listening to this podcast, listening to the Ramdas lectures, um, it's almost like I had these little reminders to. And also, I started, you know, when this breakup happened, I did a very boring version of Eat, Pray, Love for like a thirty-eight-year-old divorced guy, where I was like, "Okay, what are all the things I've wanted to do that I haven't done in relationships?" And I'm like, "Okay, I really want to start meditating. I want to start waking up earlier. I want to start blah 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 blah." And so, I think that for me, it was this perfect storm of mushrooms, meditation, rock bottom, this that song, and all of that kind of like came together like a very hippie transformers thing or captain planet and um you know that really helped me whereas 
yeah, if I wanted to be an asshole about it, I could go to TGI Fridays, do some mushrooms with friends, like chase it with a beer, like trip my face off, run from the cops and then be like, ah, that wasn't spiritual. It's like, well, yeah, but that's because I was being an asshole. <laughs> we used to go to the retro cinema in Berkeley when I lived Did out you? there. Yeah, uh, completely, you know, gone and just sit there and watch, you know, 1920s, 30s, 40s <laughs> silent oh, films that's, that's on so PCP or something. I do not know how I could handle being in okay. public because, like I said, I've only done it by myself. And I'll, like, well, no, this to- was a stupid thing. And, you know, I mean, oh. enunciating <laughs> a stupid thing. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I also want to give you credit, too, uh, speaking of, like, things post-mushrooms. So I'm a musician. I tell my manager every day that I want to quit comedy and pursue music. It Nothing brings me more life than music. Um, and I grew up on like very impro- uh, like improvised, like jam bands, like The Dead and Fish and stuff like that, which led me to jazz and like crazy, weird fusion, John McLaughlin stuff. And uh, been a fan of like Miles Davis and forever. Never got into Coltrane. And until my God, well, listen to me that you get credit for this. When I started listening to you talk about Coltrane on the podcast, I'm like, I had this moment where I was like, I'm ready. And where like I had to become spiritual and start to search for enlightenment in order to understand Coltrane. And now literally all i've been listening i am a man i am a man obsessed Uh, also wanted to thank you for that coltrane is so good you have to believe in a higher power to start to get it to get it yes that is how i feel i would say uh so uh, going back you talked about all the little things big things that just propelled you to, well, first of all, to make that call to me or just open up to this, whatever this is. Yeah. I go back to trust again. Like once I trusted personally, when I trusted Ramdas, then yeah. I started really listening to what he was saying and understanding, yeah. okay, wait a minute. Okay, I don't need to believe in this bullshit. And I'm not the only one that's a complete screw up. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I started recognizing everything that came along was perfectly there for me and reinforced the journey. It wasn't always fun and, you know, suffering. Uh, everybody has it. The Buddha said that's, you know, that's the primal thing that we have. Suffering is existent. And now how do we deal yeah. with that? You know, the Four Noble Truths. And, but that trust once you get that trust and then you're, you're just, it's it, your, it relates to intuition. I'm trying to, trying to do something actually on ramdas.org yeah. to put a whole thing around trust and intuition because it's awesome. so important. You know, the, the, the finding that place, the deep, deep, deep place that you, you trust is it, it is encompassed by the fact that you start to see everything that happens as perfectly set up to get yeah. free. Forget, by the way, forget about enlightenment. Right. Oh, I know. Who knows about <laughs> enlightenment? What the fuck? Nobody. We don't know anything. But no. we know about being kinder, more loving, more compassionate, less judgmental, less polarized. Yes. We know yes. we, we, we can all agree we want to get there. So, well, and, yeah, trust. And what you said, yeah, with the trust where it's like, I think I can imagine 
there are a lot of people who start down this path of, I want to look for something bigger, whether it's because they rock bottomed, whether it's because they just feel a calling to it, whatever. And then they just have these experiences, whether it's at a church, whether it's, you know, whatever, where you're like, I don't buy any of this shit. I don't believe you. I don't know why you're talking about kindness. And then you're shitting all over gay people. Like this is all bullshit. Uh, I'm out. I'm going to figure it out myself. And, you know, to me, even thinking about that Trayvon story for the first time, like I felt something standing there watching them, but there have been times I've played music where I felt something and I'm like, you know, I just didn't attribute it to anything larger, but I think when you get burned enough, I mean, even I don't, I I don't want to bad mouth anybody, but like there was a time that I went to like a, uh, I mean, well, I can just say it, whatever, uh, like a, a, a Christian temple. And there was so much great there. Uh, mostly the vegan food and definitely the music. <laughs> and there were some really good people there. Mm. But the second I talked to somebody or a bunch of people and sort of their only answer to questions is like, worship Krishna. I was like, oh, well, I just don't know you well enough. And I don't know enough about Krishna to just start worshiping Krishna. Like I'll go on a couple little friend dates with Krishna. I'll read about him. I'll get to know him. And then maybe, but like, when I found you guys and man, I really want to say this on the podcast, especially before we get off, I have to give so much credit to you because, you know, anyone who read Pete Holmes book or has heard Pete on your show, or we talked about it on my show a bit, you know, Pete really felt like he missed out with <laughs> Maharaji and then had that beautiful encounter with Ram Dass, which just everyone read Pete's book. And for me, it's about to make you so uncomfortable, uh, Raghu. Uh, with me, I don't pay I that missed... much attention. James. Great, perfect, great, great, great. Uh, well, your listeners will love it. I missed out uh, on every like I missed out on, on Maharaji, and I missed out on Ramdas, and I don't feel that way because I like I've learned so much from you. I mean, you were my first voice into all of this, you know, which is like really fucking cool, and like we are all still very lucky. I'm obviously so lucky to have you as a friend now, but people with this podcast and all the access to the Ramdas lectures, like, I guess it's a bummer. Like, I mean, it is, but like, I don't need, what, what would that story be? It would just be for me to like tell people that I, I don't know. I feel like I get so much from you um, and these different members of the community, Buddhist people and all this stuff that, you know, I mean, no one's missing out. Everything's still around. And so, that's what I have. I always, I have trust in skeptical people too, who, you know, can call out bullshit on other stuff. And yeah, well, that's, uh, I think I mentioned to you, uh, the beauty I feel of what gets offered through this particular uh, tradition, whatever. I mean, it's not a good word in terms of uh, us all coming from India, being with Neem Karoli Baba, yeah. um, is the combination of the heart thing and the mind. Uh, and the mind being discriminate, Buddhist discriminating wisdom, because we are all steeped in it in one way or another through meditation practice, through uh, a lot of hanging out with teachers from His Holiness the Dalai Lama to, uh, to I mean, my favorite, Dilgo Kenzi Rinpoche, who passed in the early yeah. 80s or the mid 80s. And uh, that that's kind of important. And I think it's a it's a, a real, real offering. And uh, I the what it gets down to what you're talking about really 
is satsang, community. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's actually Christ, right? Where two or sure. more gather in my name, there I am. Period. Right. right. That is absolutely true. I mean, I, you know, I love, I love hanging out with you and then we end up in this place, right? It's right. just yeah. extraordinary and beautiful and uh, completely um, full and empty at the same time. Yeah. And, and by the way, that, uh, oh, I, I, I want to just uh, give you another quote, actually, or give us all another quote. Uh, and it, it references the Buddhist concept of emptiness, which I've said a billion times, you know, most people, not most people, but many people think of it in the nihilistic uh, terms. It means there's nothing. You get, oh, yeah, the goal is nothing. No, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not nothing. And Bob Thurman has the, the best uh, definition. I believe it. I believe Bob. So hopefully uh, I, I'm getting you right. But emptiness is the womb of bliss. So oh. it's the, the total being in completeness in a way that's just devoid of little mini me. Or who was I talking yeah. about? Uh, somebody I did a podcast with. Yeah, that evil little gnome. Oh. Um, it was uh, Danielle Bolelli, who's a friend of Duncan. Oh, yeah, Danielle, he's 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 a very close friend of mine as well. Oh, you're kidding! Oh, we didn't. I that love him. I actually was helping uh, his uh, wife as well train MMA in Los Angeles. Oh, for God's sake! Uh, yeah, they're both small great. world, but uh, you're they're... in that whole little comic world and whatever. Yeah, um, well, kind of. I said I'm I'm still a bit of a loner. This is I. Yeah, yeah this is all right. Well, the closest, that's all so. changing. Anyhow, so. Uh, the reference was emptiness in the in the full sense, and not in the nihilistic <laughs> sense. So, just to understand, so Joseph Goldstein, I told you he's my one of my favorite. Uh, I got I I got the book uh, that you told me to get the uh, mindfulness, mindfulness yep. right? Yep. Yep. I, yep. I that's on the list. So I was working on a uh, we're working on a little film of Ramdas when he was in Maui called Love and Humor, actually. Mm. It'll be fun. Oh, Hopefully cool. It'll be a fun thing. It's going to be on uh, December 22nd. We're going to oh. show that film and uh, uh, Evolution of a Yogi, which is from 1969, Ramdas at his father's farm, which is so cool. No, there's short. Oh, my God. That's... Yeah. So Wait, where, that. where are you showing them? That's all going to be through Ramdas.org. you oh. got to go to Ramdas.org and sign up the on holidays. the old email. This Get on our so email cool. list. I'm so excited about yeah, that. Yeah, no, it will be. Anyhow, so in the course of me uh, finding material for this, I came across Joseph saying to Ramdas this particular thing they were talking about compassion okay okay compassion is the very act of emptiness of self emptiness of self this is compassion not as a stance of the ego right or even as a particular practice not a practice but as the spontaneous expression of the heart and mind free of self-reference oh. it's all there oh my god it's all there in that little you know six line thing yeah I mean, and that's really what we have been talking about and you've been sharing you know particularly of course when you walked out and you had uh that experience with the uh trayvon martin march and, yeah uh and and that instantaneous thing that is the spontaneous expression of a heart mind free of self 
mm. reference because in that and maybe it only lasted three seconds. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you, this is the building blocks of that trust, and and you get that intuitive trust. So yeah. Oh, what a cool, what a cool quote. Yeah. Um, before we run out of time, can I yeah. say something completely yes. off topic? But I've been trying to say it whenever I go on other people's podcasts um, mm. instead of promoting myself like a good business person. Um, well, so, wait, we're going to have all the links to everything that uh, Jamie does on the show well, notes. That is, well, that is great. But th- th- this is really what I want to get across. Uh, so every time I talk about depression or being suicidal or whatever, I'm like shocked by the amount of direct mm. messages I get, mm. especially during COVID. Lots of people have lost jobs, have lost spouses, have lost whatever. Yeah, a lot of loss. Parents. Yeah. And, but a lot of people, and, you know, look, I'm very new to um, your guys' community. I know that. I think before I had you, the first person I had on the podcast that's related is Trevor Hall. And the followers I started getting from him were just like the kindest people (laughs) in the world. They all do yoga and they're all super nice. And then you, and then, and now we've, we've grown. I'm starting to kind of figure out this community. And even though, um, and we've talked about this off air, there's a lot of problems in different spiritual communities where they go from we're all loving to weird racist conspiracy it's been horrifying yeah 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 yeah. and so i'm gonna go out on a limb just like some of the musicians uh i interview just like some of the comedians that some people who listen to this podcast feel like they're outcasts and whether they feel like they're an out on the podcast we call each misfits is the name we use but whether they feel like they're an outcast for being spiritual at all whether they feel like they're an outcast as they see a lot of people in the spiritual world be kind of racist or go full mega whatever um or outcast because you know of all the reasons we are family um they just don't feel like they uh, belong the people i have talked to and you know like I think you know this, but like Robin Williams was one of my closest friends and like, I wouldn't have a career without him and the fans I've talked to, the other friends I know who have been suicidal, all of them are great and they're amazing people. And it's never like the cocky asshole who is suicidal. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's always these different in the best way kind, creative, empathetic people who feel so deeply that they get overwhelmed and it just feels like they don't belong to this world. And then that's when they start to pull back and isolate. And I just want to say in 2020, this has been something like we need those people more than ever. Like not only do I not want anyone to kill themselves because like that's sad, but you are a fucking necessity right now with all of the toxicity that is happening in politics around the world the fact that you know we can't even come together to fight this disease without having political battles um we need the kind people the creative people the weird people the outcasts the artists um the people who do feel more deeply and who do have compassion like more than ever so 
I'm so grateful to be on this show and just to be part of a community that is lifting people like that up to let them know that even if wherever you are right now, like I'm alone in an apartment in Tucson, um, that I'm not alone because I have this community and I'm very new to it. You know, I'm not even on in Facebook groups yet, but like there <laughs> are people like us yeah. out there yeah. and you just like, you can't give up, man. We can't lose like one more person that's still like <laughs> kind. Um, I just don't want to see it. So that may have seemed kind of out of nowhere, but you know, this is the first time I've been on a podcast in this community. And I just wanted to mm. shout that from the rafters. No, well said, man. Well said. Cool. And, uh, yeah. And in total agreement and, you know, we, we send the most loving vibes that we can send and, uh, and just ask people to, who are feeling tremendous loss or tremendous uncertainty tremendous change and all of it there there is a place that we can find that behind that which allows enough spaciousness to not jump into any kind of locked situation so yeah. uh and we're happy we we have on on ramdas.org uh, we have uh well basically we have toolkits we yeah. actually have toolkits where uh, it, it's both a combination of uh, Ram Dass's perspectives and Ram Dass's methodology. And uh, between those two things, and, um, uh, you know, we can recommend specifically. So we're happy. Just write to info at ramdas.org. Somebody will get back and try and help out in whichever way they can. So, yeah. yeah, when when you guys talk so much about be the sappy stuff, right? about this, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, thing, oh, but yeah, we'll talk about doing acid at the movie theater some more before. Yeah, right, uh, right. <laughs> but like, uh, but that's been another thing that I've learned from from you guys is the suffering brings you closer to God, and I think yeah, a lot which of which is a it's a handy little you know bumper sticker that is way yeah. more, it's easy to say. And but the reality well, is, there is a place that we can get to where we do see that there's transformation happens out of suffering, and it's yeah. the perspective that you bring to it which allows you to see that to to be able to get friendly with some of this horrible bullshit that happens rather than you know judging ourselves, chastising, feeling like a piece of shit, whatever it may be. That's there, what it is, is because. I've been talking to, uh, I've been just uh, uh, finding myself in conversations with people who have also experienced loss. I, I, one of the reasons I think just because I'm so open about my stuff and this might even be a Sharon thing um, mm. where she talks about even mourning is this gift because you get to see how much love you had yeah, right, for yeah, that other being. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I met this w woman the other day um, it was like a, my yoga instructor and we ended up talking about the year and she lost so much more than I lost. And she goes, you know, sometimes at first when you hear that, you know, the God stuff, it brings you closer to God, you resent it. Not yeah. only do you go, this is bumper sticker bullshit, but you resent it. Yeah. But then if you can just pause and see what you've gotten from it and what mm. 
the love of this thing you lost, where this mm. led you, where you would be, uh, you know, if you didn't have it in the first place and how lucky you were and how lucky they were to even have had to experience that. And then you go, I mean, it's the moment I had with the cat and the girl, you know, I mean, that could have, I could have turned that into fuck my life. Nothing. I lose everything. You know, that my life's as depressing as like, it sounded like a country song. And then, <laughs> but instead I was like, I just had that moment of like, what can I get out of this? Because like, what, yeah, what, what's the point? And not get out of it like for me, but like, how can I change? How can I become better? Yeah, right. And that, that's what it's all about. And then again, back to the old favorite subject of, of trust. There, there is a something, everybody. There is absolutely, I mean, I don't, as soon as you say uh, guru or angel, you know, all of that kind of crap. There is, though, a absolutely a piece of the uh, universal intelligence, okay, uh, that is, ap- is there and is uh, in ways that a lot of times you can't really feel touch, but sometimes you can. And it could be through a dream or a daytime experience where you just know there is a guidance going on the leading you. It's like all the things that lead you to understand, wow, okay, I, I bumped into some psilocybin and then I bumped into a talk and then I bumped into a piece of music. You start to realize that there is a something, you know, we, we yes. can't, I know that a yeah. hundred billion percent. Yeah, because and then you just got to follow it, and you yeah. got to trust, yeah. and just, just as long open as up, and that's and, it. Yeah, and hopefully, and then if you're kind and loving along the way, you can't really fucking go wrong. No, okay, we're gonna end it with kind and loving along the way. You can't go wrong. Can't it's a new wrong. song. Thank you so much, I love Jamie. This was and, incredible. Yeah, we'll we'll do it more. We'll go back and forth. We'll do stuff. Oh my god, we'll I would, I would. I learned so much and I hope your people, I hope your people like me. <laughs> this is my first like tiptoeing in, like, do I, do I, do I fit in here? Uh, yeah, that would be great. Oh, can I also say, I mean, obviously yeah. I want them to listen to the podcast and I'm sure the links will be in the bio. Yeah. Um, but also uh, if you are going to follow me on social media, Twitter, I have the biggest following, but Twitter is a toxic success pool. And I would really love to be on Instagram. Instagram. Instagram's just I make comedy and I pet dogs and yeah, it's the best nice. and, loving and everyone's nice. So go follow me on Instagram, which yeah. is the Jamie Kilstein. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Jamie. Thanks again for being Thank here. You, we'll see you soon. Yeah, this I is you Thank you. Mind Rolling. Be, go to be here now network.com slash mind rolling and you can catch all the different cats that I have been involved. Reminds me of my jazz days. Those cats that I've been chatting with. <laughs> you know, uh, I used to go to the five spot all the time. Can you imagine oh, just going so to a cool. club and seeing Sonny Rollins come out of the kitchen with that horn blaring? I, can't. I mean, I can't. it's just insane. Um, and you'll catch a lot of other wonderful people and wonderful podcasts. Uh, I'm thinking of Omid Safi, who is this incredible Islamic scholar at Duke or was. I don't know if he's doing that anymore. But he is so knowledgeable around Rumi, Hafiz, and all the great Sufi mystics who loved like nobody else could love. I mean, do you know Do you know any of Hafiz in particular's uh, poetry, James? No, I'm right. Okay, I'm right. H-A-F-I-Z. Forget about it. Go to, so find Omid uh, Safi on Be Here Now Networks. Phenomenal. And we shall see you next week. Ram Nam. 